Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 22 of the Play DNA podcast. My name is Sarah. I'm Cassandra. And I'm Damon. And thanks for listening today, guys. So today we're going to talk about a topic that's near and dear to my heart because I love children's board games, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Before we start into that, though, did you guys play any games this week? Played a few games. Yeah. I don't exactly what. We just played uh, Roll Through the Ages Bronze Age, which is a really great game that I enjoy a lot. Yeah, oh. really great simple game. I don't know if you would count it as a roll and write, but... I think it counts as a roll and write. It is just dice and a piece of paper, so... Is it like a, um, a variant of um, Through the Ages, A Story of Civilization, or is this a totally different game? Kind of. I mean, it has the same logo. <laughs> it's made by <laughs> Matt... It's made by Matt Leacock, who did Pandemic. He has a couple of different versions. Uh, he has a, another game. I don't, I'm not sure if it's been released yet that we played at Gen Con. Um, that's very, very similar. But it's a, like a, if you took Through the Ages and then just really radically simplified it down um, and streamlined it, then you end up with, with Roll Through the Bronze Age. So it's just... The Bronze Age. Six, yeah, it's just six ages. dice. It, there's no other ages. There's no Napoleon. There's just six dice and a piece of paper, and I like it more than Through the Ages myself. Yeah, it's it's a really fun game, and it's very simple. Cool. Anything else? We tried to play uh, Can't Stop with some people who did not en- end up enjoying that. We it ne- didn't go well, and it, it was amazing. Yeah. I, I know. know. It's the first time that's ever not ha- not gone well. To be fair, they really were excited to play Mal, and we were like, hey, let's do something different. Uh-huh. And they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> they're still on the Mal kick, huh? Yeah, yeah, I have some serious converts now. Oh. Uh, we also tried playing Shut the Box because people wanted to play Shut the Box after the podcast episode where we talked about Shut the Box. Uh, why, though? We over, just I demolished mean, that in the episode saying not I mean, to play I, That's it. exactly why he wanted to try it. He was like, if it's the worst game in the world, I got to try. They were very sober, and they played through multiple games of Shut the Box, which fortunately only take about two minutes a game. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, guess they, I guess they won Shut the Box, maybe? It's hard to tell. I mean, they had a good time, so yeah, that's a win. <laughs> that's definitely a win. That's funny. Yeah. Other than that, just played Mao also a couple of times. Mm. Yeah. I played a lot of games since the last time we spoke, so I'll just go through them really quickly. We played Rick and Morty, The Morty Zone, which is a very fun roll and write, roll and write dice game. It's got these giant, giant dice. Like, they're huge, and you have to roll them in the box because they damage things. They're so big. <laughs> <laughs> I played um, a two-person strategy game I bought for uh, my friend for his birthday called Anitama, which was pretty fun. I lost very badly. Um, we played Meeple Circus, which I cannot say enough good things about that game. It is <laughs> I know, isn't it so, so fun? fun? The circus music in that game is, it just Wait. makes the game. Wait, it comes with circus music? Now it does. Did it not when you guys played it? <laughs> well, well, we played, we played it, at, it at a convention. Yeah. Oh. Well, now they have this whole app thing where you go through and, like, you must place your meeples within, like, the two minutes, but you can play it to different types of circus themes. Oh, my God. Like, different time frames of circus themes. It's really fun. And, That's uh, we, really we, great. We, yeah, we I really love that. We enjoyed that. And then we played Trash Pandas, which is um, a raccoon game where you're digging through the garbage with cards. It's kind of silly and fun. Um, <laughs> Dizzle. I played Dizzle. Uh 
we played a game of Operation. Don't ask how that came about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and finally, my nod game of the week. I really liked this game um, called Welcome To. We played that. Mm-hmm. And have you guys? Yeah. yeah. Welcome To is really, really fun. Yeah. It's a great, like, if you have not done a roll and write game before, it's like the perfect introduction. Yeah, but it's not really a roll and write game, though, because there's no dice in it. Right? There's, That's true. It's, just, it's a just, flip card and write. <laughs> but I would consider it a roll and write, even though there is a dice. I think you're right, though. Yeah. Know, it was just really fun, and I lost really badly, but I had a fun time losing, so that's always a good sign. <laughs> that yeah, it's a nice, simple game. It's mm. great that you can play with an infinite number of people, like yeah. literally an infinite number. Um, so it's good to... I was thinking the other day that it would be great to do an episode about games you can play with more than seven people because it seems like seven is the absolute limit. Like after that, it is so hard to find anything. But anyway, that's an aside. That's a great topic <laughs> and we need to talk about it because I have several games of 10 plus that would work yeah. um, for that category. <laughs> but so today uh, um, we're going to talk about children's board games. And this this idea for this episode came about when I went to Florida last December for uh, Bo's family Christmas vacation. His mother bought my nephew a copy of Sneaky Snacky Squirrel. And <laughs> as lame as this game was, I really wanted to play it. And it's really <laughs> not fun, but I played it a couple times with, with my nephew because, you know, it's a board game, even if it's a children's board game. And so... Children, child psychologists have acknowledged, there's been a long line of acknowledgement that board games can help in children's development. Mm-hmm. Researchers have found that board games are a healthy way to nurture a child's brain and their functions. And these really little games, like the one I'm speaking of, Sneaky Snacky Squirrel or other things that are for that are marketed for small children, mostly either target either color recognition or dexterity, like one of the two things. So Sneaky Snacky mm. Squirrel is basically a game where you flick, I don't know, it looks like a compass and it turns around and then in the forest there's like a green acorn, a purple acorn, a red acorn, and a yellow acorn. And you're supposed to collect all four. And they have this squirrel-like tweezers. It's like a giant squirrel, but like a tweezers. And then you're supposed to pick up the color of acorn that you're... <laughs> <laughs> you know, compass that landed on and then stick it in your forest. So that's kind of cute. It is cute. And it's, you know, it's not an adult game. It's definitely for a two to four year old audience here. But um, <laughs> I, I think it's still fun. And, and there's all kinds of games like this. Um, I found a ton on Amazon just as suggestions after I was trying to find other games like Sneaky Snacky Squirrel because I don't have a child. I'm not playing these children <laughs> games all the time. I only play them with my nephew. So There's another one called Monkey Around. This one teaches movement like high fives and hopping and other motor skills like that. Candyland is another one that is just a color recognition game. So you can play it with your kids and they just, oh, there's the green space. Let's move our thing to the green space. But those are like the two main categories that these children's games are targeting. Either motor skills because they need motor skills or recognizing the colors because they need to know those things for real life, I guess. <laughs> I know what Damon's favorite modern kids game is. What is it? What are you talking it? about? It's a Rio Grande game called Cha-Cha Chicken. Oh, yeah. Cha-Cha Chicken. Oh, I want to play it. Or is it Chicken Cha-Cha? I think it's actually Chicken Cha-Cha. One I think Cha-Cha Chicken is a better name, but it's probably Chicken Cha-Cha. Chicken Cha-Cha. Cha-Cha. It's, it's a memory game. 
Oh, uh, it's a memory game, but you've got these really cute wooden chickens that are moving around a track. And uh, if you do the memory part correctly, you can move faster as the chicken and you're trying to overtake other people's chickens. It's very cute. I would recommend Chicken Cha-Cha for anyone. Um, it's uh, it's definitely intended for two to four-year-olds, but Chicken Cha-Cha is genuinely difficult for adults to play. It's a game that you find out how the brain works really, really quick because a little kid, uh, their short-term memory is, is actually quite good. And... Um, and your short-term memory is not really any better. And so you're playing against a three-year-old, and they can destroy you at Chicken Cha-Cha in ways you just don't predict. We, we played with several yeah, different last, kids. Last year at Gen Con, we played, I remember, with one <clears throat> kid in particular. She was probably six or seven. Yeah. And she, I don't remember if she beat us or not, but if she didn't, she was really close. Yeah, so she did some things in the game, some memory sequence. I think I won in the end, but... I had to really focus. It was like I was landing a plane. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like, I have to beat the seven-year-old. She wasn't was... concentrating nearly as hard, probably, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she, for her, it was just like this casual, like, off game. And I'm like, I cannot lose to a seven-year-old at this game. Yeah. But it is really nice to have a game that you can play with children and you're on an equal playing field that isn't entirely Aaliyah, that isn't entirely chance. Yeah. So. It's, enti- it's entirely skill. Yeah. That's fun. The I also really like this topic because it it got me thinking about like the nostalgic feeling of the board games I used to play when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, what do, do you guys have any games you had as a kid that you liked to play? Strangely, I remember Hi Ho Cherio very well, me and too. that's one that's one that's definitely like the max is four years old because it's <laughs> so simple. But those cherries, those little plastic cherries, were so fun and so cute. So I remember that one really well. Um, I loved this game called Shuttles, which is this tiny little two-person abstract game that basically you're trying to get to the other side of the board. You're moving pegs, uh, but on your turn, you can either move a peg or the board, each row is movable. So you can actually shift a row over and you do that to try and basically put up walls in front of the other person so that they can't cross to your side of the board. Um, I played that a lot with my sister, and it was really fun. I liked it a lot. And Kerplunk. I loved Kerplunk. Those are all fun games. <laughs> I, I played mostly checkers and chess. It was just weird, weirdly shaped versions of checkers and chess. Uh-huh. I had dinosaur checkers. That's where it's all the checker pieces are dinosaurs. Wow. Uh, very enjoyable. When, when one piece is taken, you drop it down a little volcano. Very <gasps> enjoyable. What? I... Simpsons chess. <laughs> that sounds terrible. It's just <laughs> a, I love it's just, it's just chess <laughs> with weird plastic Simpsons people in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, we didn't have a whole lot of children's games, uh, so I just had like traditional adult like games classic with games. children's mm-hmm. faces on them. <laughs> uh, oh, I'll add one more. Trivial Pursuit Junior. I played that so much with my entire family. Like the four of us would play Trivial Pursuit Junior like once every couple of weeks at least. And that was nice because it was something that all of us could play our various ages. Because it's hard no matter who you are. Even the junior version is hard. I was going to ask you about that because like the regular questions in Trivial Pursuit, like forget about it. Like no way. I know. And, like, even, I know. So you're saying even the junior questions were challenging? 
Oh, they were challenging. The one I remember the most, because as soon as I learned it, I was like, oh, I'm going to impress somebody with this knowledge, is could a gorilla get the measles? And the answer is yes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, I, I, back in the day, was obsessed with the Beatles, and so I bought the Beatles edition of Trivial Pursuit. There's no way. Like, we played for like five hours. I was like, okay, I don't know anything about the Beatles. And I thought I did. Can you just stop playing now? I'm not having fun. Um, so board games teach kids more than just like simple math skills or color recognition or dexterity and that sort of thing. They are great at soothing anxiety for children, especially small children or even age, like 10 and below. They can... They can make sometimes friends more easily if they play these board games where they might seem socially awkward. Some areas, I know you've talked about that, Cassandra, when there's a board game involved, it seems like it's easier just to make friends or to talk to people. And yeah. that is true with kids as well. So it's it's a good way to soothe their anxiety that way. But it also gives them like an out from their everyday stresses, like school can be stressful and stuff like that. So playing games can kind of get them out of their head and, and get them playing something something more fun and, and get their stress out. Board games can teach kids like healthy competition instead of, and like ways to be a good loser. <laughs> and mm -hmm. they can learn that earlier rather than later. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm still working on it as an adult, so I'm not sure how much it really helped me, but <laughs> I mean, I'm sure <laughs> some kids are getting to, you know, share more and they use teamwork a lot in these games. So kids are different different ages can team up and work together. And in a lot of cases, these board games, I'm sure you've come across this, but a lot of board games only play four. So when we have a big gaming group over or when they bring their kids, like the kids have to team up with an adult. And sometimes they're not always so open to doing that, but sometimes they do. And they're learning to share and they're learning that like people can come together and you can be a team and still win. I've won several times with Glenn's kid, Nathaniel, and and it's fun teaming up with him because he thinks in different ways than I do. And, you know, sharing is caring and it's fun. And I like, I like <laughs> playing with kids. Um, plus, I just think the kids think in a different way than we do. And so they can open your perspectives. I know from a game design perspective, I don't know. I think it's kind of essential to play with kids because you can kind of see what they're thinking. And they think in totally different ways. And... As a person you used to work in a daycare, I think that parents in general, I'm not a parent, but I know parents in general just completely underestimate how smart kids are. Like they pick up on so much more than what you think they do. Like the things that would come out of their mouths daily, I'd be like a gape, like my mouth would be open. Like, whoa, where did that come from? Where did you learn that? <laughs> so they pick up on a lot of things and 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 specifically for for children's games, they're good, clean, fun. They're just, it's clean, it's fun, and there's nothing crass about it, I don't think. I, mean, I think that's a really funny comment, considering most of the games I've played with small children over the last several years, since now our friends are, like, having children, uh -huh. have a tendency to be games about poop. <laughs> uh, where I hate games poop as the game. I hate that game. <laughs> <laughs> games are poop names. You're, sometimes you have, maybe you have to step in some poop. Yep. Uh, yep, we played a game where you had to step in poop. I, I would say the... The children's games are precisely the opposite of good, clean fun. Uh, that grape <laughs> escape game is all about mashing grape people into pieces. What? I have never horrific. played any of these games with children. <laughs> uh, it's true. There are a lot of a lot of the newer games, just like with kids' television or anything else. There are certain people who go the cheap route, and the cheap route is, you know, slapstick comedy, farts, bathroom poop. humor. <laughs> 
Exactly. Yeah. And and there are still people who go the other route, which is like educational, healthy, like great content, not treating children like they're idiots. Even Don't Wake Daddy is not a particularly clean, <laughs> uncrass game. Oh, That's deeply disturbing. <laughs> Fine. I guess you made your point. Maybe I'm not always, <laughs> maybe not all <laughs> these games are, you know, good, clean, fun, but some of them are. And, um, it's an entertaining pastime that is also not a waste not wasteful in any way it's like you're exercising your brain you're being social um that's not to say i don't think kids should do things that waste time but it's yeah it it's a great great way to entertain yourself when you're a kid yeah and i know from a lot of forums i've read and and asking parents about this they feel like it's a great way to get kids away from the screens where we live in such a culture where kids are always attached to like a device, either a laptop or a phone or a television. And this is a great way to take the screen away, but still have them, you know, be interacting and learning and participating. So mm-hmm. that's always I think fun. that relies a lot on your parents being willing to play the game with you. Mm. Um, because I had specific games that I would be capable of playing with other kids, mm-hmm. but certainly, like, I'm trying to think if I've ever played a game with my parents. My grandmother would would play games with us. Like, we'd I'd buy a game when I was like five years old, and you'd give him like five dollars or ten dollars or something. Mm-hmm. And you go and you buy something, and I'd buy like whatever game is on sale <laughs> and that looked colorful and had something on it, and um, and then. And she would play. We'd learn the rules together, and then we would play this game together. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't remember. Like, the only game as a young child I remember reading the rules for was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like, I think that <laughs> came out when we were 12. The game, like, in correspondence with the television show, came out right when I was 12 or 13, which I was old enough to read at that point. But, I mean, I remember physically picking up that rule book and reading it and learning the rules and then playing it with Nicole. So, yeah. But... As far as backgammon, my aunt knew that game. That's how I learned it. And as far as Monopoly, mm-hmm. my mom knew that game. So that's how I, I learned it. So interesting. Um, so along with, you know, social skills, ch- children's board games can also enhance um, attentiveness. They are great at, like, a, expanding attention spans, Um they discourage people from quitting mid-game because they need to finish and get to that goal. Otherwise, they're not going to get there and another person's going to win. So it helps them be engaged until the end, which is great. They help with problem solving. This can be in various different forms, like either a maze or there's different mole rats in space, for instance. You have to work as a team to get out of the space station. And that's like a puzzle in and of itself because you have to coordinate and cooperate and all that kind of stuff. Um They increase acceptance, so board games inspire imaginative expression and force kids to think outside the box. They improve motor skills, so even those small, small children's games that are for two to four, like, they are mostly dexterity, so you have to get the the acorns, or you have to, you know, pick up the pieces the correct way, and this is kind of what Damon was talking about a couple episodes ago, why these pieces have to be so big because they're trying to improve their motor skills, but they also can't eat them at the same time. So, (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's helpful for those things. And they can help make decisions making. And I've seen this particularly in my my gaming group because our friends have two two smaller kids. Uh, When they were really little, 
it was hard for them sometimes to sit at the table and be like, well, it's your turn. You need to make a decision about what your move is going to be next. And and sometimes they still have a really hard time. Like, well, what should I do? Like, I could either do this move or I could do this move. And it really makes them sit there and be like, no, like the game has to keep going. You can't belabor the game with your indecisiveness. You need to decide. And, <laughs> and that I think it really does help them in that way. It boosts their language skills. And it does this in several different ways, but we were talking about literacy and we've talked about it for several episodes, but playing board games helps children develop all the key skills that fall within the literacy bracket. So they have to, you know, eventually they'll have to read the instructions, not immediately, but they will eventually have to read instructions. They'll have to, you know, recognize patterns, what they say on the cards, what, what am I supposed to be reading here? They have to need to speak clearly and describe objects in the game by using keywords and listening to information that their other players are giving them. And board games, you know, can help improve math skills. I wouldn't say like they're the best builders, but there are specifically some really boring games out there you can buy <laughs> that are just improving math <laughs> skills. And even, even small children's games, the two to four high hoteria, like we were talking about before, that's a simple math game. They can still learn like one plus yeah. two is three or two minus two is zero, you know, that those sort of things. Um, and, and if you get into the more advanced versions of board games, they can teach kids probability, odds, estimating points and that sort of thing. So they're good for all kinds of things, children's board games. And I just really like them. And the most important thing about, about children's board games is that if your kid's not super open to a certain topic, like if if they're really into Harry Potter or something, or they don't, they, they're really into this video game, like you can find board games, like you can pick and choose board games for them that will like cater to whatever they want to learn. So like if they're into mice, there's like a mice board game, or if they're into, you know, magic, there's more magic this way. And I think that even some of the simplest board games, like for kids, like Pretty Pretty Princess, for instance, they can teach mm -hmm. you like basic role playing. Like you're not a princess, but you feel like a princess when you're playing that game, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And so I was just going to go over some, some other board games that the children can play and maybe people who are listening can can introduce some new board games, new children's board games to their kids because there's a lot more out there than there were when I was a kid. And some of them sound kind of fun. And I've never played some of these, but they sound like a lot of fun. And <laughs> one of my favorite manufacturers for um, children's games is called Peaceable Kingdom. And I've I tried to submit my game to them and they did not respond to me, unfortunately. <laughs> Aww. But um, they manufacture one of my favorite children's board games called Mole Rats in Space. People often say this game looks exactly like Shoots and Ladders, but in space. <laughs> but it's not that. I mean, it's kind of that. But this is like a cooperative kids game. And when I bought the game, I didn't realize it was for kids. I just bought it. And then like I realized later, there's a huge sticker on the front that says, a cooperative game for kids. Like it literally says kids <laughs> on the box. And I was like, wow, maybe I shouldn't have purchased this game I don't feel this was the right choice but we played it and I had my friend who has a PhD in physics and I have two software engineers myself and the kids and it took us three times playing this game to win the game so wow I think it's it's kind of luck but also the cards but also you really have to work as a team to win this game and I think it could really help kids but they have all these other games Similar to this, which I didn't know about. So Peaceable Kingdom also makes this game called Mermaid Island, where it's like a cooperative game where you're trying to get the ships 
ships to shore before the mermaids deter them off the course and that one sounds <laughs> they have a really they have a really dark vision yeah, of mermaids seriously <laughs> like get get ready kids you thought mermaids were nice they're here to eat your sailors <laughs> and then there's this one called um family treasure hunt where it's a game where you work together with your family and it's a it's you're trying to find the treasure and you're deducing and using teamwork to find the treasure which sounds really fun so I like that all of these are cooperative. I I might be wrong, but I can't think of any classic cooperative children's board game. They're all competitive. Yeah. They're very, they're extraordinarily competitive. Yeah. They're design they're games like Sorry, the games that had commercials yeah. back in like the uh the early 2000s were very very like aggressive about yeah. like how how you should gloat about your victory. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. That's great, though. They're really filling in a niche. Like, that. that's pretty unique for children's games. Yeah. There's other children's games out there I found that like just cater to language. So there's this one called Pop, where, like, they have different words you just take out of the popcorn bag and, like, you try to make sentences with them, which sounds pretty basic, but these are for children, obviously. So they're teaching them, like, language, but then there's also, like, three different kinds of this game where one's teaching them the phonetic spelling of it, like how to pronounce it. And the other one's teaching them how to spell it. And the other one's teaching them like how to put it in a sentence. I don't know. It sounds, it sounds like they're really helping kids learn in certain ways, Uh but there's other games out there besides children's games that I wanted to bring up because kids can play games that aren't necessarily labeled children's games. I mean, I used to do that all the time when I was a kid and Mm -hmm. I was just going to mention some of them that I like think would be really great for kids. So timeline, I'm sure you guys have played this, but it's just mm-hmm. it's just a stack of cards and you're supposed to put them in chronological order. And I think kids could really learn like dates and such from this game and it's not hard and I think timeline would be really rough for kids because timeline relies on uh, historical knowledge. That's the whole point of timeline. Um, so while you would learn, you could only learn by losing. <laughs> you can't learn timeline by winning. Uh, if you win timeline, you already knew everything. Yeah, so, uh, that's true. Uh, it's going to be pretty frustrating for a kid, if, especially if they're five years old and they have to be read the, well, the board cards. Well, five are... is a little young. I was thinking more like could... six to 12 or something for this one. I think if I had yeah, played Timeline could, at be 13, I would be starter. barely okay. Yeah, but it, because of its competition nature, if you had a cooperative version of Timeline, mm-hmm. and there are cooperative games like that. I actually don't think I could beat you in Timeline. I wouldn't find that fun, Damon. But I don't, <laughs> you have this incredible memory and everyone, I mean, I I don't have that. So I Well, that's why Chicken Cha Cha is so nice <laughs> or Cha Cha Chicken, whatever it happens to be. Because because as memory games go, if it doesn't rely on, any game that relies on precursor memory uh, is going to be really, really hard for a lot of people and be frustrating against somebody who's just winning because they read a book. Right. Or something. Um, whereas something that's based on symbols or something like Dixit, mm-hmm. for example, you, there's no precursor memory of any kind. It's only based on this abstract knowledge that sure. comes from the game itself. Yeah. I'd say Dixit would be a good children's game. I think Dixit is a great children's game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I also put this this game we used to play a lot uh, at our board game party called Sonorda. Everyone gets an indivi- their own individual barn. And everyone gets their own oh, animal behind we the barn. And then when that person's animal flips up and your animal flips up, you have to like either snort or neigh or croak before oh, the other person yeah, we does. Played it with, we played yeah. it with you. With yeah. a group of like nine people. Yeah. yeah we so, did play it. So I think kids would enjoy that one because it's just animals and memory, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be great. 
And I, I also put, um, hey, that's my fish on the list because <laughs> it just teaches you like counting fish and like you just move the fish and there's a little bit of strategy there. I mean, you move the penguins to get the fish. Telestrations is also great for kids. I've played this with lots of kids before and they just like drawing. It's not really hard for them to draw a cat or a fish sometimes. Sometimes there's other things involved like a milkshake. It's not hard for them to draw those things and I think they feel accomplished when their mm. word makes it to the end because you have to go through mm-hmm. whatever, however many rounds of words. So some games that my friend actually, he texted me these games because he keeps a record on Board Game Geek. So he said he played 10 days in the USA with his children when they were younger. And that's it's just a, a geography game. So Yeah, that's a great one. Snow Tales, which is racing and math. I've never played this. And he said he played Carcassonne with them, which is... You know. Carcassonne is a very simple game, and I don't see why a kid that's over six or seven would not be able to play Carcassonne. That being said, there is a children's version of all of those. Um, there is a My First Carcassonne, or I can't remember what it's actually called, but it's it's a My First Carcassonne equivalent. There's a, a children's version of Catan. Um, there's a children's version of each of the major, like, not insanely complex Euro games mm-hmm. that are intended for children. I was uh, going to bring that up, actually, because there must be a huge market for, like, Junior Monopoly or Junior Clue or Junior, you yeah. know, Yeah, Scrabble. there's junior versions, junior versions of everything, but even, sim- like, abstract structural games like Euro games have junior versions for all of the big ones, um, including Scythe, a game called My Little Scythe. Really? Uh, oh, my gosh. Are you kidding Scythe. me right now? <laughs> it exists, and you can buy it. It's, it's offered by Stonemaier, and, um, uh, yeah, you can buy that right now. Oh. It's got little little animals fighting instead of Russian people sadly <laughs> fighting in the tundra. Uh, they're just birds and cats. Um, this brings and maybe up not fighting. An interesting point, though, as a designer, like, I have only designed like two games, but as a person who's designed more than that, how do you know how to label on your sheet when you're giving it to people or on your board game box? Like this game is for ten and up, or this game is for eleven and up, or this game is for six and up, like. Is there research done on that? Well, so I learned from another indie designer that he he actually put 14 and up on his box and I messaged him and I was like, hey, like your game seems like it would do really well with a younger age. And he was like, yeah, but if you want to say it's for children, you have to go through all of these processes to make sure that it's safe. So you need to get it approved and it's very expensive. So even though his game is not best for 14 and up, it's really best for like eight-year-olds. The box says 14. So that's not going to be a problem for a major publisher, but for smaller indie games, if you see 14 and up, it might just be because of that. That is fascinating. I never knew that, but like it makes, it brings to mind my game, which has tiny pieces. And I'm sure that if anyone picked it up, they'd be like, this is too small for a seven year old. They would probably eat this. Or I don't know. I don't think seven year olds (laughs) eat things. (laughs) Small children would. And even if they're plastic, I'm sure it's not great for them to be eating objects in a game. So yeah. yeah, it's definitely something to think about that you wouldn't immediately realize is a problem. Yeah, there was uh, another podcast that I listened to um, where there was an interview with a designer who had done, I can't remember, the, her like giant game that had won her awards, um, but she made children's games, and she talked about the process of design with children's games, and um, the main thing that separated this process of like mainstream design from hobby design was that 
uh, she didn't playtest games. <laughs> and the concept of playtesting just didn't exist. Like the idea of getting somebody to actually play and try your game didn't matter or have anything to do with how the game was really made. With children's games? With children's games. Aww. She was currently, I think, I, I strongly believe she was making some kind of like dog poop game. Oh, God. Where it had like a dog, a physical dog, and then you pull something and then it poops. And it was like, <laughs> there was no point in, like the idea of testing for her was just so ludicrous. She's like, you don't need to test it. You just show it to a kid. The kid likes it. The end. Or yeah, he doesn't she, like it, right? <laughs> she sounds like one of those people who is not striving to make good children's content. Well, she described, and what was interesting was she described it, and she was like, I'm trying to make a game that can be played well over 100 times a year. Oh, my God. And uh, she's like, when you're making a hobby game, you're making a game that could be played once or twice, and then you'll probably shelve it. And she's like, I'm making a game that a child is going to make you play over and over and over again, all day long, all week, and then all month. Mm. You have to be capable of playing this game over and over and over and over and over, even if you're tired of it, uh, which means it has to have extraordinarily simple rules. It has to be fast enough that the child won't go crazy. It, it has to alleviate a different kind. It's not trying to teach anybody anything. It's just trying to alleviate stress in a different way. Huh. Well, so, she so really just she's just thing. creating something so that parents have a way to interact with their children and keep them calm. Right. Keep the, the, some way to calm them down. Right. And that you don't go crazy continually pulling the dog right. lever. And <laughs> I'm sure that's that's definitely a public service to parents. <laughs> I guess, but like sneaky snacky squirrel gets real old fast. I mean, how many times can you collect an acorn from a forest with a tweezer squirrel? <laughs> well, that's the point is that like it, it her, the things that she was designing were so low impact that you could just keep doing it over and over again. Just like a game where you just roll a die and then move a thing, roll a die, move a thing, roll a die, move a thing. It has just no skill of any kind involved, right. so you don't wear out from like brain overload, even from tiny little things compounding. Right. It's just a different way of looking at design for like family stuff. Because like I would recommend Marrakesh by far as a children's game, sure. family game, adult game, any game for anyone. Marrakesh is like always one of my top, top, top gateway games. Um, anyone can play it. A four-year-old can play that. But uh, even though I love that thing, there is still thought involved and it would wear you down over long periods of time. Hmm. Even if it's, it feels wonderful to look at and to hold and to roll to play, uh, it still does require strategy. And I, I think if you tried to get me to play the hundredth game of Marrakesh this year, I would go crazy. Right. In that sense, I agree with her. I mean... If kids are just either learning dexterity or color, they don't necessarily need to have much more than that. And why would you need to play <laughs> test it if all you're doing is trying to pick up an acorn and put it in a hole? Like, there's no play testing involved because it's so simple. Like, a kid p takes the acorn and puts it in the hole. Like, I don't know. There wouldn't need to be playtesting for that, right? I mean, I guess. I, I would still, I mean, I, I couldn't live as a designer not playtesting. Even if I was making a game for a three-year-old, I would want to give it to a ton of three-year-olds and then yeah, watch how yeah. they did it. And then yeah. I'd be refining it carefully to make sure that the <laughs> like, ideal three-year-old. The orange needs to be more orange on this acorn. And right, exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. But it's obviously not really necessary because when it comes to games like that, marketing is 99% of all that really matters because the child isn't buying it. It's and the components. I mean, if you're playing it over a hundred times, you need to make sure like they're 
plastic components that don't break <laughs> and will be easily found so that if they lose a piece, it won't. And are inedible anything. and are cleanable. It's just such a different way of looking at it. I mean, I've definitely things. seen some children's games that if I look at them, I can see that they were not quite play tested the way that they should have been. Like we saw one that is a frying pan game that looked really mm, delightful. Right. Um, it's a tiny little frying pan and you get these pieces and you put them in the frying pan and you have to flip them and you're trying to flip them so that you get a certain, you know, certain number of points. It's essentially just pogs. And, with and it's, it's like, Really hard, <laughs> really hard. And while while I was trying to do it, it was like, this is not possible. Like, if you handed this to a four-year-old, they'd just drop the pan. Yeah, I was getting stressed <laughs> out just looking at it. I was like, yeah. there's no way I could accomplish so, this. I, and they were definitely marketing it as a children's game. Mm. And it's like, it's very cute. I can see why you would say it was a children's game, but it's not designed for a child. Like, really think about what a child is capable of doing with their hands. Well, that's why Get Packing was a commercial failure. Right. We mentioned that in a previous podcast. Get Packing was, it was, like, so like, was hard. marketed as a children's game, and that was its downfall by far, because that should have been marketed as, like, 21 and up. <laughs> if you're under 21, don't even attempt this game, because your frustration will rise to excruciating levels. They didn't know. They just, did, just didn't test with enough little kids, or whatever kids they were using were genius like geniuses with very long fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Tiny long fingers to get those things in there. <laughs> so there was some other games I just wanted to mention um, that I thought looked really fun, but I've never played. But like, I'm going to probably play these games one day because they look so fun. So there's one called Bugs in the Kitchen. And like, it's a I've maze. And like the bug goes around the maze in the kitchen. It looks so much fun. I want to play it. <laughs> um, there's this other children's game. I'm not sure I would play this one, but it's called Splash. And it's like musical chairs, but you play them with dolphins. It's kind of like spoons. You like take, there's dolphins in the middle of the table. And then once the music runs out, you grab the dolphin before mm. everyone else grabs it. And um, there's this other one called Brain Freeze, which sounded kind of fun, which teaches logic and deduction. And they, um, they have two different teams racing to correctly guess the secret sweet treat that the other player or team has chosen. So that kind of sounds fun. So there's <laughs> one really interesting game we played called Magic Labyrinth. This is not to be confused with the game of Labyrinth. The Labyrinth is a classic uh, maze game with cards that you move around and create a labyrinth. That's kind of an interesting game, but it doesn't really help. Like adults are not going to be interested in it. Um, it's definitely a children's children's game. Um, Magic Labyrinth uh, can be played by, I think, any, I mean, five and up, I think would be definitely reasonable um but we played together i think in a game store and um magic labyrinth is great it's this magnetic maze it's another memory game but it's a maze memory game with a magnetic maze underneath the board um where you are moving your little piece along but then if you hit the wrong area this magnet like if you hit a wall board, yeah. yeah if you hit a wall on the underside the magnet falls off and if the magnet right. falls off of your character you basically have to move the character back to where they right. began. So you're basically tracing a path through an invisible maze. This is really fun game. I'm looking at the it's pictures. It's very, of it. very cool. It was it's really very, fun, very well done. And it was really unique the way it was built. Yes. Which it was actually funny that we found it because Damon had been trying to design a game that had a hidden maze. And I'm like, this is it. And and then we found this. We're like, holy crap, somebody's done it. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's very well done. Highly advised for anybody. Anyone would enjoy this. It doesn't matter how old you are. You're going to have a hard time. Yeah. It's, um, it's delightful. Dang yeah. it. it. Is has this the, the same... game I'm going to buy this week? 
It's really good. <laughs> well, so there's another one I'm going to recommend. I'm going to recommend a game I've never played. I normally don't do this, but I would recommend just at least looking at this. Nacht der Magier. Nacht being N-A-C-H-T. It's a German game. I believe that translates to Night of Magic. I uh, can be only played in the dark. So you turn oh, off all your lights. fun. And uh, then you have like these little glowy, this little glowy fire in the middle and you're trying to move around. And it has a similar, I think, magnetic structure uh-huh. um, where you're moving around the board. I've always wanted to play Knock Their Magier. I think that's a really interesting thing. It's not super well rated on Board Game Geek. It's got a 6.7, but I think that's partially because a lot of adults try and play and it's not the perfect game for adults. But it looks really cool. Looks like it would feel really good. It's the only one of the only games that can be played in pitch black. Mm-hmm. I love games that should be played in the dark. Um, <laughs> I think that I, I want to try this very much, and I would recommend anybody get it at least to try with their child. I think that would be really fun. Holy crap! Does that say it's a hundred dollars on Amazon? Yeah, it's it. It goes up and down depending on when they print it. They don't Ooh. always have printed copies Man. of this game. Yeah. Um, another dark game. <laughs> I'm just going to be talking about games you play in the dark. Um, again, a game I haven't played, but I, I'd highly advise people at least take a look at. Uh, Shadows in the Forest is a much cheaper version. Um, and it looks really uh, cute. It looks really cute. Uh, it's, it's like $18 on, on Amazon. Um, Shadows in the Forest is also played in the dark. Uh, it involves a little light in the middle, and then it has, create, it has this little forest of paper trees. And then oh. uh, you put the light so that it shines a shadow behind the trees and you're moving through these shadows. So you're trying to stay out of the light as you move. Hmm. Uh, It's a really interesting idea. Again, I think it's definitely for smaller children. It's not really probably gonna be like strategically interesting for adults, but it's aesthetically beautiful and really interesting for adults from that perspective. Yeah. Um, So definitely take a look at that and see how that, that could go. So I think the last game I want to mention is that Coconuts game that you guys had brought up a few weeks ago. I think yeah. kids would really oh, like that yeah. kids, There's no reason a kid wouldn't Fun be just as good as you. Fun for all ages. You want it to be a drinking game today? Great. Tomorrow you want to play it with your five-year-old? Great. Get drunk with your five-year-old right now. <laughs> Don't do Don't that. Don't do We're not condoning that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all I had really for children's games. I just want to encourage parents like, I know from my personal experience seeing what it what it's been to watch my nephew play with his parents and just my friend Glenn playing with his kids, how much it means to them and how much they really get out of it. So if you don't think that you like board games, give it a try with your kids. Maybe you do like them and you can play really simple ones or even more complex ones, you know, and you can adapt them to whatever they like to play and they might get a lot out of it, you know. I want to hear from people who are listening to this podcast who I know, I was, don't play or like board games. I was going to say, if you're a person who doesn't like board games, congratulations on getting this far yeah, in the podcast. Got, like, I'm really impressed you with you. I don't think that would be possible at this point. You're dedicated to knowledge in a way that I wish I was. <laughs> know thy enemy. And uh, my favorite children's board game is Mole Rats in Space. And I really think that adults would like that game too. So if you're an adult and you don't have kids and you still want to play a fun kids game, get Mole Rats in Space. It's incredibly cute, adorable, and it's challenging for an adult as well. Yeah. So. Of the games we have, I'd say I'd say Marrakesh is definitely on the top of my list. I'd highly advise. Um, I'd say Sushi Go is probably a pretty good Oh, yeah, game. for yeah. sure. I meant to write that one down. Yeah, that one's. And th- the makers of that also made Go Nuts for Donuts. And I know the kids that we play with really like that one a lot. Mm. You're just mm. getting donuts. Mm. How, who doesn't like that? I mean. Oh, and the, uh, the pizza game. What's the pizza game called? Just get a sl- uh, piece of cake. Piece of cake. Not a pizza game. Cake game. Uh, piece of cake. <laughs> uh, 
is about it's like a fuzzy logic game um that's great for anyone you could play that if you were three you could definitely play that if you were three. Oh, and bonanza i like bonanza a lot i think kids can play it because i played with kids and they love beans and they love bean farming because <laughs> they love beans <laughs> they kids love bean love farming beans. <laughs> Kids are down with beans. That must be on your top 10, Sarah. You talk about Bonanza a lot. Do I? I don't know. (laughs) People should play Bonanza, okay? It's great. (laughs) So yeah, that's all I had for for children's games. But it was fun talking about them. This is a big topic. I'm sure we'll cover children's games again. Yeah. I, I just love games, so I'd be willing to play any children's game. I'm thinking about buying some for my nephew just so I can pretend to get them for him and then play them. We've, d- we've, d- we've done that. We've <laughs> definitely done that. Here's a game for Maddox, but can I play with him first? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are definitely a lot of children's games. This is a huge topic. Um, if we have missed any that you are particularly fond of, then drop us uh, an email at our website, which is playdnapodcast.com. Uh, that's also where you can find our podcast notes and we will list the games that we talked about in this particular episode there so as always this has been play dna play with your kids if you can and play safe and play often and we'll see you next time